Welcome to another episode of PodHer, a podcast that explores what health and wellness mean in our real lives. I'm your host, Natalia Novais, and today we have a special episode. We're celebrating the launch of Carrie Burke's book, My Real Life Rom-Com. Carrie Burke is a journalist, an actor, and influencer, and she has 3.8 million followers on TikTok. She's only 20 years old, but she has such an impressive resume. And we actually met when she was reporting on an in-depth article about body diversity in the fashion industry for the Huffington Post. In this episode, Carrie talks about the real person behind her glamorous life and the TikTok fame. She shares her journey with mental health and she talks about her experiences with OCD and anxiety. And by the way, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, about 31.9% of Gen Z teenagers have some type of anxiety disorder at some point in their lives. So Carrie is talking about a topic that is urgent in our society. And obviously we'll dive deep into her book. She will also offer insights on building a strong support system. And she talks about how she transformed her perspective on mental health. Oh, and of course, we'll also get a glimpse into some of her hilarious dating experiences. I had so much fun learning from Carrie about how Gen Z date. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Congratulations, you just launched a book. That's such a huge, amazing accomplishment. Can you give us, you know, a brief overview of what inspired you to write this book? Yeah, so... Think of my real-life rom-com as the sex of the city of Gen Z. So it tracks my adventures and misadventures in dating as a teenager. Each chapter is dedicated to a different guy and a different experience. And it was really important for me to showcase my stories and have my peers learn through stories, not you know dictating to them the rules for dating as you see in many dating guides out there and there's also like no books out there written by a teenager for teenagers about dating i started writing this book when i was 16 and all the other dating guides i've seen out there are written by you know, like 50 year old women telling 16 year olds how to date so i just really wanted something out there that could level with teenagers and make them feel like they could relate and they could understand and just reflect how unique the world of dating is today in the 2020s. So I love that you were trying to share by experience. We chatted a little bit about this earlier and there is a lot in this book about mental health, right? So I would love to understand a little bit how do you think, you know, your experiences communicate and relate to the bigger, broader conversation of mental health? Yeah, that's a great question. So my last chapter of the book, I decided to focus on myself and my mental health and my journey to self-love. So instead of focusing on a guy and you know chasing romance and chasing love in a guy, I focused it on myself. So I really flipped it inwards. And on that last chapter, I decided to be transparent, be vulnerable, and depict my story about mental health. 
because we hear it all the time. You know, you can't love others until you love yourself. But what does it really mean to love yourself? And how can you love yourself when your mental health is not as great as it can be? So I just wanted to be as honest as possible. You don't see many people in Gen Z talking about mental health in a detailed manner. You see people saying, you know, I have mental health issues. I go to therapy. But what does it mean to have mental health issues? What does that look like? How does it feel physically, mentally? So I just wanted it to be as detailed as possible because I know that if I read that when I was going through my own mental health struggles, that would have been extremely helpful to know that someone else was going through the same thing. Gen Z had a really hard time over the past few years with the pandemic and everything. I mean, I was class of 2020 for high school. Like, I didn't get a prom or a graduation and that really took a toll on my mental health and I know a lot of my peers as well. So I think we we really had a hard time the past few years and Gen Z is, you know, over the pandemic, Gen Z, like there were a lot of people who turned 18 who are adulting for the first time and it's so difficult to go through adulting to begin with, let alone in a pandemic where you're just absolutely deprived of human connection. And I explore that a lot in my book too. What is it like to, you know, make a connection in the middle of a pandemic? How does it feel to be, you know, several, I was basically isolated the entire pandemic, like a hundred miles from my home, just like hidden away with my family. I didn't see any friends, no like romance or anything. I was just like hidden away and that was my experience turning 18. Like I didn't have my prom, I didn't have a birthday party. So I think we've just had a really hard time over the past few years, especially like our mental health. And it's not talked about enough in detail. I think we're we're doing well with like therapy, like talking about going to therapy and being more open about that. But as I mentioned before, like, it's just not be talked about. It's not being educated about in schools or anything. We have so much work that still has to be done. Right. I'm hearing it's lacking more on the practical side of it, right? Like, how do you actually deal with this stuff? And I think there's so much about the last, like, three years that's really unprecedented that nobody really knows how to deal with. And I can only imagine being 18 around that time. Was there a moment in your journey and a moment that maybe you talk about in your book that stands out when it comes to mental health? When you look back in your journey, was a pivotal moment for you? So I can't remember the exact moment where I was when I felt this and thought this, but a turning point in my mental health journey was realizing that it wasn't going to get better per se. And here's why. So... I think with mental health, we're always searching for the solution, like some like secret cure, like how is it going to get better? How are these thoughts in my brain going to get quieter? And there's no answer. And I think realizing that was a turning point in my mental health journey. Just instead of trying to push it away and get rid of it, I needed to be trying to learn how to live with it. And when I switched my perspective, that was extremely helpful because I just tried to learn 
how to move forward with my anxiety there instead of pretending it wasn't there in the first place. Like, for example, the other day, my dad asked me, uh, I was on a trip and my dad said to me, like, how did you have any anxiety? And I was like, dad, I always have anxiety. If you ask me if I'm having anxiety right now, like I can find any reason and tell you like three things that are causing me anxiety. The difference is it just affects me more times than others. But just because I'm not crying or feeling or showcasing it in like an emotional way doesn't mean I'm not feeling it. But I think I'm a stronger, more emotionally mature individual now that I've gone through anxiety because I know how to live with it and how to cope and I can use what I've learned to hopefully help others. Oh, man, it just blew my mind. You're so mature. So did you just come with that conclusion by yourself or were you like reading something, talking to somebody? I think therapy is super important. I recommend it, obviously, for anyone. So I think therapy helped a lot. I followed some Instagram accounts that I really like with quotes. And just, yeah, I think over time, just like coming to this conclusion that you know, thoughts aren't facts. Like just because a thought crosses your head doesn't mean it's true or scary or something to pay attention to. And that was so pivotal for me. Like I thought just because I was thinking about something, I needed to attach an emotion to it. Like you need, really need to separate like a thought from emotion. And these are so many, all of these things, these are so many things that I just never knew before I turned 18. Like I thought anxiety was the stress that I had before a test at school. Like I really did not know what it meant to be anxious and that's because like the mental health education system is so like poor and it makes me so upset and angry because when I was going through all of this I had zero understanding like I thought OCD was like excessive cleaning and that was it so when my therapist told me like oh like maybe this like a manifestation of OCD. I had no idea what she was talking about and I didn't believe her. And I had to start from ground zero and learn all of this when the education could start earlier. It just doesn't right now. And yeah. it's a problem. What were some of the signs that, you know, you brought to your therapy that made you realize, oh, maybe that's OCD? Basically, when I found out I had anxiety and I tell this story in my book, I never experienced anything like this before, but I was sitting on the couch with my mom watching an 80s rom-com, totally fun, nothing at all like worried about. And then like I was eating like a cup of cereal and all of a sudden I just couldn't catch my breath and I didn't know why. And that's exactly what happens with anxiety. It hits you and you don't know why. It doesn't have to be tied to something. It doesn't have to have a trigger. It can just hit you like you know a rock falling out of the sky and like your life all of a sudden gets changed so that's what happened I thought it was the middle of the pandemic I thought I had COVID I got COVID tested it wasn't COVID and my mom said to me you know maybe it's just a form of anxiety and I didn't know what it meant and it kind of just got worse and worse and I knew it was OCD because these anxious thoughts that were crossing my brain were persistent. Like they were 
they were stinky. Like the average person can get a crazy thought. Like let's use the example, like the sky is purple. Someone with OCD can have that thought, the sky is purple, but they're not able to stop thinking about it. So it's it's like a piece of gum stuck to the back of your head. So, you know, OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder. So you're obsessing over the thought and oftentimes we're performing compulsions to try and get rid of it. So for example, you can have like an escape thought, what they call an escape thought, like, you know, the sky isn't purple because I walked outside today and I looked up at the sky and the sky was blue. But sometimes someone with OCD like doesn't believe it. Like it's a doubting disorder. So I, I didn't know any of this. I had to educate myself on everything. Right, right. It makes me wonder why we don't talk about this stuff because it's, you know, there's so many people struggling with it and burnout. It's also something that I have so many friends and people I know that never, never learned about it. And then they started to get symptoms and they're like, oh, wow, here I am. This is burnout. There's a diagnosis that I can get and get better, more importantly. And just for people listening that don't understand, like this girl does everything. You're such a high achiever. You're like, write for all the fashion magazines, you know, under the sun, you do everything. And I love that you're vulnerable about, you know, what goes on between your two years, we say in Portuguese, because I think sometimes in social media, we see people that are highly successful, just like you. And it's very easy to automatically assume their life is perfect, or, you know, they're always so productive and always so you know, very happy. Yeah. So social media is a highlight reel. You know it. I know it. Like everyone posts the best moments from their life, including me. Right. And I think that's why this book is so important. Like I say in the first chapter, like you're getting to know the teenager behind the cheesy TikTok voiceover and those fashionable Instagram posts. Like this is the real me. This is what you see in between you know, me, me filming TikToks or going to school. Like I talk about moments when I go into the school hallways and I start crying randomly. Or I don't know, that moment, that whole journey with anxiety. Like I was blowing up on TikTok at the time for the first time ever. And I looked so happy and I I felt like I should have been happy because I was gaining like millions of followers. But like behind the scenes, I was hurting so much and I was struggling. And I even like those brief moments of joy, like a, a shopping day with a friend or like I went sledding one time, I remember. I couldn't focus because my anxiety was still there and I was dealing with it for the first time. So I say this in my book, like you don't have to admit you're struggling to be heard. And that's something that I think will resonate with a lot of people. Like we hear like everyone is going through something, blah, blah, blah. But we don't have to say we're going through something. Can we just assume that we're all human and we're all going through something? Yeah. Like, can we look at people's yeah. social media and realize, okay, this is a highlight reel and not feel bad about ourselves for looking at people on social media? Like, we just need to normalize that, like, everyone is human. And even those people with millions of followers and people with the biggest smiles on social media probably have those moments. Like, 
I don't know. When I tell people I have anxiety, like I tell my friends they have anxiety that I have anxiety, they often like don't understand, and they try and like rationalize it. Like, you know, you have four million followers. Like, why why would you have to feel anxious? It's like I I don't know. It's a, it's a mental disorder. Like people have anxiety. People have OCD. Yeah. There you don't have to explain yourself. You just Nobody's live with it. Yeah. yeah, I I didn't choose this, but this is what you know, God chose for me in my life to deal with. And instead of, you know, running and hiding, I'm going to choose to talk about it. And it's going to be a while to get to that point. But now I'm really ready to talk about it and try and help people. I love that. I think it's so wonderfully, you know, courageous and, and beautiful that you're sharing your truth. It's also like so common to to assume the most successful people are the happiest i call this the rainbow it's almost like you're getting closer to whatever success you're searching for doesn't matter what that looks for you and then you start to think like okay as soon as i get there that's gonna be happiness right yeah. and then you get closer another thing just you just keep chasing a rainbow your whole life if you're thinking that it will be perfect at some point we're all going for stuff But I think what you said is so true. We are all going through stuff and we list, we hear this phrase all the time, but we shouldn't need everybody to come out to assume that and to help people, to be nice to people too. I mean, I think we're talking about mental health way more than we used to. And we're seeing progress and it needs to be talked about. But also the reality is a lot of people especially people who might be seemingly happy, a lot of people are scared to come out about it. Right. And that's okay. Like, that's totally okay. But it takes one person, it like me, to come out and share their story and you can save a person's life. Yeah. Like, all I wanted yeah. during those few, it was like six months when I was learning about all this for the first time, all I wanted was to read something and have it like flip a switch and I read like one sentence that like Dixie D'Amelio wrote in an Instagram caption it was totally random but I found it and it it totally related she was like sometimes like it's all just so overwhelming and like I want to step away I can't remember exactly what she said but it was it just really hit home for me so I just was looking for someone's words to read that would resonate and I think It took me a while to like want to write about it because it was so personal to me. But like this is what I was born to do. Like I I genuinely feel like I was born to write and I want to use my writing Beautiful. for good. I love that. And I think there's no better topic than your truth. Yeah. So congratulations. It sounds like you used a lot of comedy as well, right? To tell your story and, you know, made fun of some of the, you know, good and bad experiences you had with dating. So no spoilers but tell me a little bit about that and, and what do you bring in the in the book in terms of dating experiences so it's called my real life rom-com because there's that element of romance and emotion and vulnerability so on one side you know, talking about what it's like to go through a breakup how do you really get over a breakup moving on versus moving forward All of these topics that are really interesting to explore when it comes to teen romance. It's complicated. And then also, I wanted it to be enjoyable. Like, this book is directed towards 13 to 18, 
primarily i mean it's also like the perfect gift for like moms to get their daughters to like read on vacation or something but i wanted a little bit of comedy to make it entertaining and i tell like a bunch of these stories that are just so crazy that's why i reference sex in the city like you see it in each episode like crazy like dating experiences but these are real like this happened in my real life I wrote about them for years and I just turned them into a book. I love that. Differently than, you know, an actual rom-com, which is, you know, very idealized. There is no happy ending, I'm assuming, right? So how does your story differ from, you know, a rom-com? Like how is life different from what we see in the movies in your experience? Finding perfection in the imperfection, I think. I mean... Each of these experiences, I was chasing that rom-com and I was chasing perfection. And there's nothing wrong with chasing a fairy tale romance. I think it only sets your standards higher so you can get what you deserve. But also, along with that, tempering your expectations and saying, yes, I can chase my happiness. Yes, I can chase my fairy tale ending. But if I get disappointed, that's okay too. And obviously, I didn't end up with any of these guys in these chapters. So every single one has a not happy ending of its own. But the happy ending, and I, without spoiling it, but I mentioned the last chapters about my journey to self-love. The happy ending is finding love within yourself. And then once you find that, you can expand that outwards and share it with others. It was really interesting how that worked. I actually, after I turned in my book, I met my boyfriend and we've been together like months. So it's crazy how life works out like that. So it's, yeah, once you really get a strong understanding of who you are and are so secure in, you know, being yourself in a relationship, I think it's easier almost to find someone who matches your energy. It is. It's so true. It's easier also to figure out who who matches your energy. I think it's more about like who you attract. You're way too young, so I'm glad it didn't work with any of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yeah. I don't even, I think a lot of them, it wasn't even like an official like dating experience. A lot of them were kind of like, eh, some one night stands, like one day stands, like being on a social media tour and meeting a guy for a weekend, for example, and what that rendezvous was like. Or, you know, a guy that moved in next door during the pandemic for a weekend and what happened there. Mm, so, that sounds spicy. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so spicy. I Not a lot to do at that time. No, literally. It was like I had not seen anyone in months. And then all of a sudden, like, out walks like a group of college boys. And I'm like a college freshman online, like doing online school. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, here we go. Like my college experience has started. So crazy stuff has happened. I think especially as an influencer, I've gotten my fair share of like influencer boys and dating TikTok boys and what that's like. Oh, man, I can't wait to read about it. Okay, give us the if you can give us like one story. Like a crazy story? Yeah. Give us the crazy, yes. <laughs> okay. So I met someone on a dating app and he was very 
like overly friendly he would always like call me by my name so like every sentence was like okay carrie sure carrie okay like he would like always like call me by my name so it was it was really weird to begin with and then we were we were like eating at a cafe it was like coffee and then we went to like a market it was a chelsea market so we were like walking around the different like shops and he bought me like body butter at one of the shops and then he bought my mom a bracelet this is the first date keeping your mom was with you no that's the thing he's like oh, oh so he's just like no, i'm gonna just, give your mom some yeah yeah he's like wanted to impress my family he's like oh this one's pretty you should give this to your mom i was like okay it's first date why are you trying to impress my family so anyway it's just it's a little like it's fine but it's like a little weird so then we're like walking we sit down and he asked he like asked to kiss me which is like weird in itself and i was like what a proper gentleman he's so no it's just from a different generation i think he's lost in like a time travel machine no it's weird it was so so weird so i was like okay and he's like wait one second like i need to spit out my gum do you have a napkin and i was like no i don't and he's like oh okay well one second he like searches for a napkin like he just wouldn't kiss me until he like spit out his gum so then this is where it gets bad so then it's already like building up like weirdness everything and then he kisses me and he pulls away and he like smiles and a fly on his tooth like a bug oh man (laughs) jesus christ like an actual bug on his teeth yeah like a dead fly but how i don't know there's the hell that's even possible it's like they say you get the ick i caught the ick oh that's a big ick yeah i i'm i'm actually guilty of that it's very very easy to make me get the ick but but yeah those so yeah i never saw him again after that obviously but did you actually kiss him or was it like a quick no he was oh my god if we're getting into detail it was disgusting like he was a really bad kisser and he pulled back and he smiled and there was like a fly and i was so incredibly like grossed out and i told him and he asked me to like pick it off for him oh did you yes i was like a no right oh you did I you're did. so nice i would be like I was it was so nice to meet like, you i <laughs> i got a call i'm sorry <laughs> you know, so i had an event after that like in the area and he walked me there and he's like i'll text you later and i'm like yeah sure okay <laughs> and he texted me later and i was i was polite so i was like oh thank you so much for coffee really appreciate it and he's like of course how was your event i didn't answer and that was it. Oh, you ghosted him? I go, yeah. And then he never reached out again, right? So I think he got the hint. <laughs> yeah. Thinking the first date is, you know, it has to be really, really, you know, delusional to not get it if the person doesn't reply. No. Um, in the, you'll see in the book, there are a ton of crazy first date stories like that. They're just totally like wacky, like stuff you like can't imagine happening. A lot of people are curious, like how Gen Z dates. Okay. It's kind of fun to read and to reminisce and to see how different it is and how crazy. Like I'm fascinated because it's all online. 
it's all online. Like when you were a teenager, I assume there were no dating apps, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there was some ICQ. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. Basically, you would only talk to people you already know in person. Oh, man, that's like, it was like a messenger, but almost like a WhatsApp, I guess. That's the closest thing. But on your computer and, you know, there was some, what I guess you could call sexting, but only with people you actually know. So, or at least me, maybe I was, you know, well-behaved. <laughs> and no social media either. But no sliding into DMs. Yeah, no. No comedy. No, really. Really. Yes, it was. We had to work really hard to have sex. <laughs> well, not that you guys don't. It's just different, you know. There was a lot of, like, uncomfortable situations you had to put yourself in because it's all in person. So lots of going through sort of a rejection thing that's inevitable. Because I feel like now we're getting a little bit... It's harder to feel rejection because we are not exposed to it as much. Because in social media, it's like, you know, somebody's interested in you. You just DM them a lot. <laughs> I will say I always dreamed of like meeting my boyfriend in person, like spontaneously bumping into someone on the street and like, you know, falling and then picking me up. Like this, it doesn't happen. We're living in an age of social media. You meet people online these days. That's just the reality. That's true. And, and you got to like accept it. I, I think as an 18-year-old girl, I dreamed of having something otherwise. But it's just not the age we're in. We're in 2023. Wait, but I'm fascinated. So you feel like even, you know, in college or uh, places like that, there is not a lot of like in-person dating that happens. I'm sure there is some. But do you think like, in general, it's really online. Like, for example, say somebody is interested in someone else in school, would they approach them in person or would they go like slide their DMs? Uh, I'm trying to think of my experience in school. Yeah. So I think the one time I tried to make a move on someone in school, I like asked for his number for notes like to ask homework questions or like to get the notes later and then i just like sparked a conversation like after he sent the notes but it never turns into anything like i don't know it's so clear like (laughs) when someone's on a dating app you know they want to date so it's very it's like laid out right in front of you in college a lot of people kind of just want to fuck around like that's it's the reality like i used to before i met my boyfriend obviously i used to like look in my class and be like who's cute like who can i talk to but like nobody really does that i don't know (laughs) it's like even people in college like go on dating apps if they want to date otherwise they just hang out in the dorm and like hook up with whoever they want well then and switching (laughs) i can't wait to read your book and learn more about that it's like the internet is changing everything. And now with AI, oh my goodness, we'll see what's going to happen there. But switching gears a little bit, I would love to hear from you who and what were your support systems throughout your journey? Because, you know, when we talk about mental health, I think that's so important to acknowledge how important it is to not feel like you're by yourself. And so how did you find a sense of support that's in your environment? Yeah. Um, I think it first i was scared to share my anxiety with others 
uh, especially my family because they're close to me and I didn't want them to see me hurting. But it did start with my family. I mean, that's who I was around during the pandemic. They've been incredibly supportive. They held me when I cried. Um, and on the other side of things, just throughout the entire book process and throughout the successes, they've been there to lift me up and be like my biggest cheerleaders, which is amazing. I also have a few friends that I am super close with who I call friends of the good. Like they're friendships of pleasure, friendships of utility, and friends of the good. I have like three friends of the good who I will call up and talk to them about anything and they will be there for me no matter what. Uh, so yeah, my parents, my friends, and my boyfriend now is extremely supportive through the good and bad as well. So... I'm I'm very lucky. Yeah, it's so important to feel like you can open up with people around you. I always say this, and it sounds obvious, but it's not everybody that acknowledges and realizes how important that is. Because sometimes I think our culture teaches us to just close up and try to deal with things by ourselves. Yeah, definitely. The, they're hard to find those people in your life that really will be there for you no matter what. Like, I had... It's kind of an aside. I had a friend who I, who was with me as I was going through my anxiety for the first time, and she kind of abandoned me because it was too much for her mm. to see me like that, and that really affected me and made me scared for a while to open up to anyone about my anxiety because I just figured, like I was too broken to be loved, and I saw through my friends, through my parents, through a lot of different people that just because you have anxiety or go through mental health issues doesn't mean you're unlovable. And it takes a really special person to teach you that. That is so true. And I think it's also a good filter for finding real love. Uh, I think real love really doesn't even pauses when it sees any type of struggle. And it, it's a good test also, like be real with people, you know, for whoever is listening, like be authentic, be who you are, always respectful, but your people will understand and try to understand you more importantly, and will be there to support you. So important. Uh, give us some of your, you know, strategies and practices that you do when you need a little bit of a, an uplift. I'm a marathoner, so running is everything for me. So I'll go out on a run, a long run, that's why I started running in the first place, because I loved the way it made me feel. I do my Peloton bike, uh, lift some weights. Also, I love writing, obviously, to make me feel better. So whether it's in my diary or just working on a random article for a random publication, it's really nice to direct my energy onto something I'm passionate about. So I think that's that's kind of my best form of advice. Like if you're looking for an uplift, try to direct your energy towards something meaningful and something that makes you happy. Like it's all about chasing happiness. Whatever brings you the most joy, whether that's a thing, an activity, a person, more of that in your life. So true. It sounds cliche, but like follow your bliss is one of the biggest things. Like just follow it and trust it. There is a reason why it's there. Do more of what makes you happy. If you want to be like a mental health expert or something, if you want to be like a therapist, then read up, you know, learn, educate yourself. 
don't be afraid like step into your step into your light that sounds so cliche but step into your light like i see people who say i want to be i don't know i want to be an actor but they're just sitting here like doing nothing like twiddling their thumbs yeah waiting for a miracle but if you want to be an actor you got to get out there and do the work i guess that's a big piece of advice i have too like do the work your dreams are not going to come to you if you're just like sitting there like if you're an actor get out there take an acting class study movies study actors you like like it's so different for everyone but i think the general theme is just to do the work and put in an effort that's the only way you're going to really see results in your life get out in the arena so important So what's next for you? I'm very curious. After you release this book, do you have anything lined up or anything you want to share with us? So I'm going on a book tour right after the book comes out. So the book tour is going to be in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Long Island, Tampa, Los Angeles, Santa Monica. I don't think I missed any, but I'm really excited to meet people from a bunch of different places. That's what's on the horizon a bunch of TV appearances for the show, just kind of spreading the word about the book. And on top of that, I'm finishing my senior year of college. So that's also on the horizon. Like starting school soon. You are amazing. Congratulations on your journey, on your book, everything you do. It's super inspiring and you're just getting started. So I'm excited to see what's coming in the next years for you. Uh, we have a last question that we ask everybody. Uh, what does wellness mean to you? Wellness means taking care of yourself and realizing that self-care is not selfish. Uh, I'm stealing this quote from one of my favorite Peloton instructors, Robin Arzon. She says, self-care is not selfish, it's sacred. And that's something that has really resonated with me, just I think wellness is more than just fitness. It's really taking care of yourself and doing what makes you happy because you can't have physical wellness without mental wellness. Love that. It's so true. And where can people find your book? So you can order my book, My Real Life Rom-Com, available starting September 19th on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target, or at bookstores near you. I think it's a great read for any age. It's fun, it's vulnerable, and I think anyone can extract lessons from it. So officially available September 19th, but available for pre-order now. Okay, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for your wisdom and all your words and sharing your journey with us. Thank you. that's it for today thank you for listening if you like this podcast please follow us on instagram at podher leave us a review give us five stars and if you are looking to create better health habits if you would like to improve your eating habits if you're tired of yo-yo dieting or anything like that somehow never feeling like you're getting it right please DM me on Instagram at novaiznachi. I will leave everything in the episode description and we can talk and see if we are a good fit to work together. I would love to help you on your journey and I'm offering one-on-one sessions. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.